Welcome to Minute 53 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Mark Hoffmeyer of Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and movies, films, and flicks. How are you doing on this lovely Wednesday morning? I can't. I'm just going to go with the flow today. I'm going to I'm gonna be like a twig on the shoulders of a mighty stream. I'm just going to flow with this episode I'm going to relax. I'm not going to try to jump to the end first. I'm not going to pretend like this is the next chapter and make a long, long intro, then have us go back and do another intro where I'm saying this intro. Why would that We're happen? Gonna Why flow. would that happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, hypothetically, like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to flow with anything. Whatever happens, I'm ready to go. There you go. I'm that, like a nice twig. That works. That works. What's a mighty stream? Have you ever seen a mighty stream? No. Like, is it, okay. Is that like a mighty stream is... I guess it rains. I, you know what? There's a stream in the back of my in-laws' house. And when it rains, it 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 floods. So I guess that's when you see a mighty stream. Could be. And it's, we're talking about a twig, so you know, it it doesn't doesn't but need to be, the, be pretty big. No, but I'm saying the mighty stream doesn't have to be that strong because <laughs> it's a twig. You know, snap like a twig. You know, it's not something that that that's very. Yeah, but... It's it it can't be that thick. What's what what's what's a twig size? Let me type this in. Twig size. Because I'm curious to know how big because I'm seeing a pretty big twig here. Maybe it's just zoomed in. Tig <laughs> Twig. Wait, this is like a computer thing. Twig, wood twig size. Wait, of array? What's happening here? Twig size. Wood. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's some pretty big twigs. Okay. I don't know. Right. To each their own, right? To each their own. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Mighty streams, twigs. Yeah. Sounds like a Jerry Seinfeld bit. It actually does. What's a twig? <laughs> What's how the big, deal with twigs? How big is a twig? What's the deal with twigs, right? <laughs> so, What's a mighty stream? And what's a mighty stream with a twig inside of it? <laughs> with a lampshade. And what what about the buttons? <laughs> a hundred acre parking lot that's more chris walken yeah you should read this uh you should read the transcript of this episode like chris walken especially the song because we got a song here in this minute so we'll see so so episode 53 begins with the car driving along the highway and ends with neil once again trying to keep his cool and not get too upset at dell Right, so so not much happens in this in this minute. You know, we have a lot of the driving. Uh, we see the, the the car going along the the interstate, and the two of them are are continuing with their conversation. Which yesterday it ended with Neil basically saying that he wished that Dell would have uh, let him die, and Dell then responds and says, "You remember what I said about going with the flow?" And Neil goes, "How am I supposed to go with the flow?" When the rental car agency leaves me in a hundred acre parking lot with keys to a car that isn't there. And then I have to hike three miles back to find out that they don't have any more cars. Now, okay. There's a few things I want to mention about this statement that he makes here. First of all, as we mentioned yesterday, that's pretty impressive that they know it's three miles. Cause remember we, we said that it's, it's, what was it? Two point 
uh, two miles or something like that. So it's pretty close. As you know, he's not exaggerating and saying that he's got to walk ten miles or anything like that. He's pretty close. So they 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 did their their research for this one. But the second thing is is that how could it be that there are no cars left? We saw hundreds of cars in that parking lot. There's no way that all of those cars are reserved. Now, I just had to fly to Florida. And the of many, I didn't know it was spring break in in uh, Florida. So I had to book a rental car last minute and with $400 a day. Wow. I had to rent it, so it's fine. So, uh, but met all of the major, most of the major companies were already booked. They were already had reservations on it, so I couldn't get a car. So I had to go to a place called Sixth, S-I-X-T, and they were fine. They were great. Uh, same price as everyone else, but that was the one place where I could find a car because all the other ones that were reserved or didn't have any cars in stock. That's really so cool. I, at least so my, maybe those cars. Are... I leased my car from Sixth. <laughs> oh really? And, and I live around. Nice. I live across the world for me. I mean, they were great. They gave me a sporty little Hyundai. I had a good time in it. It was fine. I blasted ninety-seven X, my favorite new alternative that I listened to growing up. Oh wow! So that was fun driving around Florida listening to that. But it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but, most no, of them but, were but when you for, saw like, they're reserved. But you would say that that there was no cars. You know that if you wouldn't be in a would you uh, be in a parking lot that is filled well, with cars? I mean, again, this is the day before Thanksgiving. This is Wednesday. We're talking Wednesday afternoon. So anyone who is going to be flying in for, for Thanksgiving and they're going to be renting a car, most people are not going to be showing up on Thursday. They're going to show up the day before. Yeah. Maybe this, that was the one rental place he picked and those were all different rental cars that were there. Right. Whatever. I mean, we saw him leave from Marathon. I guess that's the only rental car agency yeah. they're, they're allowed to use in the movie. You know. <laughs> They don't want to get sued by using any of the others. Oh. So that, but I mean, there, like I said, there are seven rental car agencies at the St. Louis airport as of 2022. So you'd think that he would have been able to find something, but whatever. And and then, you know, Dell's response is I got a car, no sweat at all. So Dell was able to find a car in one of them. You know what though? Sometimes you have to take a breath. And I think that Steve Martin was so past taking a breath that he didn't just stop and think, Hey, there's a lot of cars here. He just wanted to curse the earth. He wanted to yell at somebody. I don't think he, like, you know, Dell shows up and is Mr. Personable. Like he could get, you know, he could sell a, a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. He's just a real, and he actually does do some great salesmanship later. Yes. But I do. He think did it already. That he did it already. He did it two weeks ago. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. He's much more chill. And I think that he works angles where Steve Martin, he's not, I think he was just more, he just wanted to yell at somebody more than he wanted a car. Right. He was looking for a confrontation. That's true. So that's what I think. Okay, that's true. So maybe he, his mind, you know, when you do get angry, your judgment does get clouded. You know, you get all the endorphins rushing, you get different things flushing, uh, rushing through your blood. You do get kind of um, uh, tunnel vision for revenge right so maybe that's what because he, he's a pretty pissed off dude yeah that, that's definitely true and that, that that is fair so neil's response to, to dell after he says i got a car no sweat at all so neil says wait Dell, you're a charmed man and dell goes nope i know you just go with the flow like a twig on the shoulders of a mighty stream 
and then they'll start flapping. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know where this, this, this phrase possibly comes from? Go with the flow? Mark Twain. No, good guess. No, go with the flow. Good guess, but but it's not. <laughs> so I, I found no. Where does go with the flow come? I from? found two two different uh, sources that have two different answers. So one of them is is that it actually can, comes from the writings of uh, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor. Oh. He talks about the flow of happiness and thoughts, and surmises that most things flow naturally. And it is, in his opinion, it was better to go with the flow than to try and change society. And then in the, mm. the 1960s, it was this is a phrase that was ascribed more to the hippies, you know, about taking life easy and stuff like that. But then I found another quote that says it's actually from Shakespeare. Apparently in mm. Julius Caesar. So one, one of Brutus's lines is, there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries on such a full sea. Are we now afloat and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. I, I found that pretty, pretty interesting the way that that, that connects there. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. You're teaching me stuff. That, that's what I'm here what for. You're doing this. Real? I love that's it. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. And then the rest of this minute, is just the two of them sitting there listening to a song that's, you know, the, the, they're continuing along with the, you know, we, we see the two of them inside the, the car. Now it quickly changes and, and we're now in, in nighttime. Okay. So I looked it up and on November 25th, 1987, sunset in St. Louis was at 4.42 in the afternoon. Okay, so we're only talking, oh. this is only five o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And again, as we mentioned the other day, it's a four and a half hour drive. So they theoretically can be in Chicago by 9 p.m. But for some reason, don't get there. But we'll, we'll talk about that over the course of the next few weeks. Oh, I know about, I know why though. I know why though. Okay, why? But you don't want to talk about that yet, do you? Well, Michael McKean, Michael McKean. Well, Michael McQueen, Mike, Mike, his scenes were cut, and, he, and he's in Wisconsin. And he said that the the cop told, yeah, yeah, he told them that um, uh, they had driven a hundred miles past yeah. where they were supposed to yeah. be, but his scenes were cut. Yes, so they just probably got tired and drove because he's a a uh, a state trooper of Wisconsin. They somehow got to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, you I guess you do get tired. And you just aren't fo – maybe Steve Martin was driving. Maybe – Well, we'll get to the script in a little while, well, and we'll, 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 we'll have some answers to that also as to why okay. things are taking a little longer. Now, okay. one of the things I found that was really interesting is you know, the whole idea you mentioned about the twig on the shoulders of a mighty stream. So there is a composer by the name of DJ Cosmonaut who actually uh, composed an instrumental, instrumental ambient – song by that name he loves this movie so much that he Ooh. i listened to it i i maybe i think neil should listen to it in order to calm himself down a little bit maybe that'll help <laughs> don't really know nothing's calming him down right he is oh man to just but i gotta say i guess we'll talk about it next right. job and and then yeah, we'll talk about it next and job. then basically we have a song playing called six days on the road Okay, which was Georgia Georgia Overdrive. Yeah, which is uh, is performed by Steve Earle and John uh, Mandukas, and they're known as the Dukes. 
but we're, we're not really, I mean, I, well, like I have the whole, uh, the, the, the entire lyrics, but I don't think we really need to get into it because it doesn't really m- make much of a connection to what's going on here. And then we get Dell uh, playing with the passenger seat of the car. I feel like you should sing it. No, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> no. Come on. Come on. You're not going to get me to do it. Sorry. Not going to happen. I'll, I'll do uh, Requiem for a Dream first. <laughs> okay. You're going to sing it. And they use that in the two towers. You're going to sing it. Yeah. Clint Mansell, Lux at, uh, was it Lux? Eternal, Lux at, yeah. and, uh, I forget the name, but they use it in two towers as well. That's a famous score oh, right there. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So burned in my memory. Jeez Louise. <laughs> so Dell starts playing over the seat and the seat starts moving back and forth and moves to the, to the right. It moves to the left. It goes up, it goes down. You know, he, there's, there is a loud, loud whirring sound and you know, it, it doesn't sound very realistic that, that the car is going to be making that much noise, but it's still pretty damn funny the way mm-hmm. that they do it. And then at one point it moves to the right and then it like jerks to the left and, and, he hits Neil as he's moving across and stuff like that. And Neil starts getting pretty upset about everything that's going on. And he, he looks like he's ready to just blow his top. But we're going to have to wait until tomorrow to find out what he actually says and how this conversation continues. So did you have any? I have big issues with the next All right, well, chapter. we'll get there tomorrow. Big issues we'll, with we'll the next We'll get there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about this particular minute? I have a big question to ask you, so just be ready. When, tomorrow or today? I mean, listen, no, like, it's fine. It's a good, I was thinking, I guess I kind of want to ask you a question. You hate me, right? You don't like me. And you know I'm driving from Georgia to San Francisco. You can pick one movie character that has to ride with me. You give me the worst trip on the planet. Just the most annoying person that i have to be stuck with for an entire trip and you're doing this because you don't like me who would you who would you put me with oh that that's so simple it's so simple i would it's not going to be dope i know that's what you're what you're trying to aim for but it, it's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be that easy on you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make all right who you put me with you really really suffer who do, who do you think i'm gonna give you you have any idea i'm gonna give you alan uh-uh, no idea. i'm gonna give you alan from the hangover oh god <laughs> Maybe you, you yeah. didn't expect that. Did I, I'd put you with I. <laughs> I think I would put you with Ma Fratelli from the Goonies. Ooh. <laughs> or Sloth. No, Sloth would be fun being with. Yeah. Hey, you guys. But imagine. Uh, <laughs> oh man. No, I think I think if you want yeah, if you want to the... if you want to make someone suffer, if you're gonna put them with with characters from the Goonies, so you got to put both the Fratelli brothers. The two of them are going to be in the car yeah. and they're going to be hitting each other and screaming at each other all the way. I think that'll be that would be even more annoying than having Moffratelli next to you. I'll turn this car around if you stop, don't stop hitting each other in the back seat. You know how many arm punches? I think they would land seven thousand arm punches on each other during that trip. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That that's a great question. Thank. That's my prediction. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for that. So we're going to yeah, go into the script. Yeah. Now the script, this, I'm going to try and go through it pretty quickly this, this minute, because there are six pages of the script that were cut out that happen here. I mean, there's a lot that happens. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm just going to explain more or less what happens. Okay. First of all, Dell says that uh, when, when he got the car, he didn't have to waste one drop of sweat in order to get the car. 
the car in the script is not the the same car that, that, that we get to see here. It's actually a green Lincoln. And then we get a shot in Neil's house. Okay, so Neil's wife is sitting there with having dinner with both sets of grandparents and her kids without Neil there. So then Neil's father says to her, I thought Marty did a wonderful job with her poem today. And then the other grandfather says, it's a shame your dad missed it. I'm sure he feels the same way, Walt. He'll see the videotape. So basically, we get a lot of bickering between the, the grandparents about why Neil isn't there. And then one of them, then Susan's father says, oh, yeah, that's unnecessary. Susan's father says, that's no way to watch a kid grow up. And Susan's father is actually played <laughs> by by a known actor, which which is is great that you know I get, you get to see in the script that he actually has more to do because in in the final cut we we get to see Richard Hurd in just a scene at the end where he doesn't really have anything to say. Do you, are you familiar with Richard Hurd? Do you know him? Uh, let, let me he look was, him up. He was right a now. character actor. Oh, Richard Hurd. He was a character actor for many many years. You know, he was in All the President's Men. He was he even, he was in The Mule with with uh, with Clint Eastwood a few years ago. He was in Get Out. He was in The China Syndrome. He was in tons of TV shows. I mean, he played, he was in the, the Quantum Leap episode where he played a Doc Brown type of character. Oh, wow. You know, he's been in a lot of things. So in this movie, he just has, oh. he, his, his, most of his stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. Basically, the grandparents are arguing with, with Susan about, you know, they're, they're, they're disparaging the fact that Neil isn't there. And then the phone rings, Susan gets up from the table, goes to the kitchen to, to, to answer it. And then we see Neil in a roadhouse. He's, by, he's on a payphone on a road, roadhouse. And there's like a lot of noise around him and stuff like that. And he tries to talk to her and she says, where are you? And he says, huh? I'm on a payphone. What? Some roadside dump. I'm in Southern Illinois. So they, they, they made it to Illinois at this point. Right. And then as hmm. he's talking, Dell comes over and, and taps Neil on the shoulder and asks him to, to give him five bucks. And he, he says, I'm trying to talk to my wife. And he says, well, I need five bucks. So Neil says, we only have $23 left. And he says, don't worry, we'll be fine. Give me another five. So he ends up giving him the money and, and then he gets back on the kitchen and Susan says, I'm sitting here with my parents, with your parents, your kids, and I want to know what's going on. So he goes, what's going on? I'm trying to get home. I've had the worst day of my life. I've been on the train that caught fire, a bus, the back of a pickup truck. I walked four miles through the snow with 400 people. And then she goes, all I know is John got home last night. And he goes, he left after I did. How could he get home? So when Jay was on the first week, we, we had the discussion as to whether John, you know, John Dole, played by Ferris Bueller's father, would actually have been able to get home before him. And mm -hmm. apparently the script confirms that he was able to get home beforehand. And then she goes, you tell me. The mm. airport's been open since this morning. And then Neil says, you want to hear a dog story? She, she turns to her father-in-law and says, he's not making any sense. So her father-in-law takes the phone and starts talking to Neil. And... And he goes, how you doing? He goes, pretty good. Yourself? And he goes, I'm having a, I'm a hell of a time getting home. But other than that, I'm doing all right. When did you guys get in? And he goes, oh, we got in this morning. And do you have any snow? So a little bit. The storm was pretty much just north of Chicago. Other than that, it's pretty smooth sailing. So they have like this typical conversation, which in the middle of this whole thing. And so so the his oh. father isn't really 
you know, says to, to Neil's wife, Susan, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. He seems fine. And he's trying to get his father to help him. And then Susan is back on the phone. And, she, and he goes, Ted, you have to help me out a little bit. I don't think Susan believes a word I'm saying. So there's this whole subplot in the movie that, that Susan apparently thinks he's lying to her about everything. Yeah. yeah cheating, and right? then, and then she Glad goes, you got that. that one right. And then like he, she's shocked on Neil's face. And then he starts banging his head against the wall. And then she goes, I have a pretty good idea what you're pulling Neil. And all I can say is your timing stinks. He goes, I'm pulling something. I'm trying to get home. However I can. And she goes, well, how's Dell doing? And he goes, how's Dell? And she goes, yeah. How's Dell? He says, why do you want to know about Dell? He's fine, a pain in the ass, but what do you want to know about him? She says, you just make sure that you don't come home with his panties in your briefcase. You know, she she's assuming that he's having an affair with somebody, and he's referring to this person as Dell, right? And he goes, hmm, funny you should mention that. I dried off my face with them this morning. And at that point, she hangs up the phone on him, which is something that happens quite often in the script. She hangs she up hangs on him up every on. single time. Oh. And then they get back in the car and they start driving. So, and then he starts playing with the, with the seat positions because at this point they switched drivers and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's fun reading this, but I can completely understand why they cut out those six minutes or six, uh, six pages. They just, they're, they're not necessary. You're not needed here. No, nothing with the story. No. Oh, I mean, this is a good look of you read the script and you watch the movie and then take notes. I mean, it's a good screenwriting class just to kind of see where that came from. And I'll say Richard Hurd was also in Sergeant Bilko. Ooh, there you go. You got that connection. (laughs) Excellent. That's right. All right. So every Wednesday we, we do a little segment called the Hughes Hump Day. So, Mark, why don't you give us your top five John Hughes movies? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um. So we're we're saying like directed, correct? Not written. You under can do whatever you want. Or... I've, we're, we're, we've, oh. I, I've well, been did, I've been pretty lax with that. I you did, can do either. Well, I'm just gonna go with directed because I love these five. Uncle Buck is five. Maybe I should have it at three, but I just haven't watched it recently enough. But just hearing him talk to Bug, and then the giant pancake and Macaulay Culkin and just just I love that movie. I watched that movie so much as a kid. So that's my five. Four is Weird Science. You know, you got Bill Paxton, just, you know, it's a fun movie to watch when you're a kid. Excellent film. Three, Ferris Bueller. I will say I adored Ferris Bueller when I was young. And then when I got my 20s, I loved it. And then I got my 30s and I'm like, I don't like Ferris anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> then he just became a punk. But I think it's a very effective movie. Then I'm going to say two is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because I think it's one of the most rewatchable movies. Yes. That, I mean, it is wildly rewatchable and that's what gave it you're talking about number one from hughes or you're saying in general from hughes no in general i mean it's nine minutes it is it's 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 very um episodic in nature with different episodes that happen so you can step in whenever and you're like oh i'm in st louis like you know what's next you know the journey and it's just a very rewatchable movie number one for me is breakfast club because what i like about breakfast club is that you know some people it just you have a sensitive jock. You have the the bully that's actually kind of nice. You get like I think it's one of the rare films that I don't think many of these have been made where they explore the inner lives of these kids and they actually make them seem like somewhat three dimensional 
characters. Okay. I think there's an excellent villain with what the the principal. Uh, um, like I, I just think it's one of those movies that, for me, watching for the first time, when I was probably eleven or twelve, I just hadn't seen anything like that before. Because you know, I I actually grew to love. Uh, John Cusack in cinema too, because I felt like he was so different than everybody else as well. But in this movie, just the way they explore it, the single location, the way they bond, the way they fight, I just thought for me at 11 or 12, the soundtrack, geez Louise, it, it, I mean, I think I, I would watch some of these movies before breakfast club. Like I, I have no urge to, like, to watch it, but I just remember the feeling I had watching it when I was younger and just what, I felt like it was epic. I felt, I just, the emotions, the talks, the speeches, I just, I dug it. So I'm going to put Breakfast Club at number one. All right. That's very my, cool. Uh, Excellent. That's my ranking. Thank you for that. So every day we do a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either my guest or myself will give a little story, anecdote about something that has happened to us along the journey of life. Mark, what story you got for us today? So this is a story of when I took my GRE, not GRE, my GRE, yeah. So my grad school test in Korea. So I, I got my degree. I taught high school. I went to Korea to teach and I wanted to get my master's. So I studied uh, for the GRE. You know, you get the test and you apply for your master's degrees. I studied in a Dunkin' Donuts. I did all my vocab. I did all the math. I took my writing portions before I took my, there's two different sides. I did my writing section, came back. Uh, then I had my GRE on a Saturday. But the problem is I worked until 1030 every night. No, I worked at 10 o'clock every night. And on Friday, I got to work at 10 p.m. I got a cab to the bus, got there. I had a bus leave at 11 p.m. for Seoul, Korea. I got in Seoul, Korea at, wait, what's my time frame? I'm at about 12.30 right now. I quickly went to the subway, went to the subway until it closed down. Then I think I caught a cab to a, someone I had never met. His name was Bumsu, and he was a friend of a friend that was going to put me up. It was awesome. But then I got there, Bumsu wasn't there, he showed up late, and then we walked for what felt like a half hour. And then by the time I got ready to sleep, it was awesome that they took me in, ready to sleep, I probably had like one hour. And so I tried to sleep, but I was so paranoid that I would oversleep, I didn't sleep. Then I got up and I went to the wrong school. And I there's another guy there taking the GRE who went to the wrong school. So we sprinted, got a cab, got to the right place. I realized I had no nothing with me. All, I didn't have a pencil. I didn't have anything. So I went in the bathroom just to like collect my thoughts, use the bathroom. And I saw a pencil on the urinal. So I took the pencil. It was sharpened for some reason. <laughs> I took the pencil, ran upstairs. I was the last person to walk in that room. They were about to like close the door on it. And then I was the second person to leave. So I walked in, got it done really fast. I was like paranoid. I was like, is this, what's going on here? What's like, and then I was the second person to leave. Now, I remember I was so stressed out on the ride home. I went and I bought a bottle of soju, got on the train. I got on a bus. I took the hour and a half journey back. No sleep. Felt like I was in a daze. And I remember just sipping on my bottle of soju. Uh, I passed the test. I got into grad school. But it was just the craziest, like, not even 24 hours. It was like the craziest 12 hours of my life to get to the test, to take it, and to come home. I would say 14 hours. But I but I was on I was on buses trains cars no planes but i did do a train a plane and a car once in korean one day but yeah that was my gnarly journey of how i took my test to get into grad school cool that was a great story so yeah at least there was a... no falling ice 
along the way. So yeah, you'd have to like run around in between. And and Bumpsu was awesome. He was cool. Like we just hung out. He had just gotten out of his military service there and we just kinda chatted and then uh it was awesome he put me up, but he was like a friend of a friend. But yeah, I, I was so afraid to sleep because I thought I wouldn't wake up and I went to the wrong place. Gnarly. <laughs> All right, great. So you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, Movie Films and Flicks, Movie Films and FLX, and Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. You can look us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just You can listen to us everywhere. So just type that in. All right. And to find me, it's very simple also. You just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. Or you can go to our website. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Are you going to forget this every time? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Well, yeah, I think I am. (laughs) So until tomorrow, you're fine. Oh, wait, wait. You did it too fast. Ready? So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine. There it is. I was looking at my notes (laughs) for the next episode. (laughs) 